mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Steps to the Truth. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Here now, Pastor Moody. 27 pillars of truth in the message that I'm going to preach from tonight. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew 5. It goes through Matthew chapter 7. It starts with what we know as the Beatitudes. And some years ago, I did a study, in fact, on this, outlined it, studied it in depth, and preached from it uh, for a few weeks. But the Lord began to deal with me again about the first part of this, and uh, literally there are eight steps to the pillars of truth that are, conf- that are found in the Sermon on the Mount. Those eight steps are the Beatitudes. I want to deal with those tonight if I can. I'll try to get through all of them. I'll try to be quick if I, if I can with them because I want to get you somewhere. But literally when you climb those eight steps, uh, there is, there's actually a chart that was done. It's done in the Thompson Chain. It was done many years ago that was entitled the Temple of Truth. And in that temple, there were 27 pillars of truths that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount after he gave. Most people never get past the Beatitudes. Are you with me? But I want to say it again. Those are eight steps to the, to the temple of truth that Jesus wanted us to live by. And then there are 27 pillars of truth in that sermon. Maybe sometime I'll, if I don't preach on all of them, I'll just at least enumerate them for you. Amen. But let's go to Matthew chapter 5. I want to preach tonight on the steps to the truth. How many is going to help me preach tonight? Amen. Two of you. How many is going to help me preach tonight? Hallelujah. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 1. The Bible said, And seeing the multitudes, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain, into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Look at this. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Now the implication is there, he separated himself from the multitude and taught this to the disciples. That's the implication. Saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I got to tell you, that's one of my favorite verses in the entirety of the Bible. That verse right there. Amen. Verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Look at somebody and say, you can get full. You can. You can. Amen. You shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when men shall revile you. That's a word that means hate you. 
and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Now, if it's true, you may not be too blessed. But if it's falsely and they're lying on you, amen, for his sake, he said you're blessed. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceeding glad. I want to read that again. Rejoice. Can we read it out loud, that verse? Let's read that out loud. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I want to preach tonight on the steps to the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the word of God. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you. We need you. We're desperate for you. Thank you for Jesus, the great Savior and healer, but also the great teacher and great preacher. The greatest preacher, and this, I believe, the greatest sermon ever preached. Use us tonight, God, to just glean from the words of the Master, and we'll give you praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The Sermon on the Mount has, as I said, been referred to as the Temple of Truth. And it's really a lesson, are you hearing me, on how to live as a Christian, what a Christian should be. It's a great, great, great teaching by Jesus, and yet it's an easy reading truth. It's an easily comprehended truth, and can I say it? It's an easily lived truth. Amen. Uh, It is without doubt, as I said, the greatest sermon by the greatest preacher. In the Beatitudes, Jesus literally enumerated eight steps which men can use to be elevated to a twofold purpose. And I really believe that that purpose was this. Uh, amen. Higher elevations of spiritual life and attain to the teachings of this great sermon. Now, until we as believers ascend these steps, we may never achieve the lofty goals or the lifestyle that Jesus uh, suggested here that we could live in this sermon. Uh, when I started to think about this, what we must do is climb the steps and then re- understand that these 27 truths that are in this sermon and how to live after you ascend the steps, that God intends for us to dwell there. But first we have to understand what they, you know, how to get there and how to apply them to our lives. Jesus said this in John chapter 8 and verse 30. He was saying that he came from the Father and he only did what the Father told him and said what the Father said. And in John chapter 8 verse 30, he said, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. And then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then verse 32, that famous verse, he said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall liberate you or make you free. I mean, it's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth you know that sets you free. A lot of this, this truth t- doesn't help the world at all if they don't know it. But if they'll ever hear it and receive it, it'll help them. And uh, so I want to, if God would, by his grace, that the Holy Ghost would just lead us upward through these steps. And I want to just touch on them briefly tonight. And hopefully they'll inspire us to climb these steps that we can get to this place that Jesus wants us to live and how he wants us to live. And first of all, I want you to notice he said, blessed are the poor 
in spirit. And uh, this speaks of humility. It speaks of realization that uh, I'm a needy person. I need Jesus. Everybody is. Doesn't matter how pretty you are. Doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how popular you are, how famous you may be. Um, I love what Clyde was sharing about the doctor today, that before this skilled surgeon went to do surgery on our dear sister, he said, let's pray. And he prayed, I really believe, a sincere prayer in that room because I spoke of humility to me. He realized that, that it's not just his skill, but it's God's grace. Can you say amen? You see, Proverbs 29 and 23 says, a, man pri- a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Isaiah 57 and verse 15 says, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 4 that anybody that humbles themselves like a little child, amen, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, I want you to know when you get humble and realize how much you need the Lord, It'll cause you to begin to climb the steps of truth to get to the place where God can literally touch your life. You know what I've found out in 36 years? I've found out when I really think I'm getting somewhere, that's when I need to humble myself the most. When I really think that I'm somebody, amen, I begin to realize how much I need somebody. Hallelujah. Blessed, amen, uh, as Jesus said, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What's that mean? That means the more you realize you need him, the more you hunger after him, the more you want him, the more you start to say, I need God. That's the greatest truth anybody ever said. I need God. Hallelujah. How many of you know that tonight? You need God. You need him in your in your finances. You need him in your health. You need him in your family. You need him in your job. You need him in your career. You need God in everything you do. Brother Johnny, you get on that Harley Davidson and go turn down the road. You better have God, amen, riding along with you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Doesn't matter if you're uh, what you're doing. You need God. Glory to God. I, I was never so reminded of that as I was some years ago. I went fishing with some men, and we were down uh, at Lock 1 near Carrollton, Kentucky, right where the Kentucky River empties out uh, uh, into the... Uh, where does it go to the Mississippi, Ohio, someplace? Where Ohio, the Ohio River, and uh, we went up the river about a mile to Lock One, and we were fishing for spoonbill catfish. And we caught there were several of us there in three boats that night. We caught over a hundred pound of catfish and brought them out of there. But one of the guys I was in the boat with dropped an anchor up close to the dam and water was coming over and something happened. I don't know what happened. The current started to pull that boat. I literally thought that thing was going to sink. I didn't have a light jacket on and I can't swim, but I could pray. Hallelujah. I said I could pray. And as we were frantically trying to get those ropes loose, I just began to call on the Lord. And Brother Johnny, there was a calm. I was, I want, can I just be honest? 
I was as scared as a little girl. I mean, I was horrified. I was scared almost to death by that because I'm horrified of water. You know, my mother drowned when I was a little child, and, and I was scared of it. But I began to pray, and all of a sudden, while I, up there where I was trying to get that, that anchor loose, God blessed me, and in my fear and my nervousness, I got it loose. Hallelujah. And we got out of there. Are you hearing me? And caught some fish on top of it. Praise God. So the good news is that when you really begin to realize you need God. Are you hearing me? You ought to say that every day. God, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Lord, I need you today. Don't start your day. Hallelujah. Until you get humble before God and say, Lord, I need you today. I don't know what's waiting out there. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Give him praise. So the first step is humility. That means a conscious need. It's not just an abstract uh, understanding, but there's a conscious need. How many knows what I mean by conscious need? It's a reality in my life. I need him. I need him more than I need air. I need him more than I need water. I need him more than I need food. Are you hearing me? I need him more than I need anything. Sometimes I'm ashamed of myself. The things that I let come between me and my need for God. Are you hearing me? I wrestle with things that I have to push aside and say, you will not come between me and my need of this God that I serve. Hallelujah. So that's the first step. Second step is penitence or or repentance, as we would say. Look at verse number four. Blessed are they that mourn. That means that mourn because of sin. Mourning for sin. Listen, it's not just enough to say I don't like sin. Can I tell you, you must be brokenhearted over sin. People that try to justify their sin have not really repented. I want to say that again. When they're trying to make excuses and tell you why it's all right for them to do it, they really haven't repented. And Jesus said, except you repent in Luke 13 and 3, you'll all likewise perish. Amen. Second Chronicles 7, 14, very famous scripture. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell and all that group there was pricked in their hearts and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? In Acts 2.38, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sin. I'm sick of sin. I want to go to a watery grave and die to it. Hallelujah. I'm really sad because of sin in my life. That's the second step. Tell somebody that's just two of eight. Let me me go on. The third step is meekness. Look at this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know what meekness is? It's not weakness. No, because the Bible said in Numbers 12 and 3 that Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. He was the meekest man on the planet earth, but how many knows he parted the Red Sea and drowned an Egyptian army, so it wasn't weakness. Are you hearing me? He brought Egypt to its knees by the hand of God. But meekness is power under submission. And it literally is the mark, it literally marks the birth of a new spirit in the life of a believer. 
It marks the birth of a new spirit. I'm totally surrendered to God. He's in charge. Hallelujah. God is God. When Peter and John walked into that temple gate and looked at that crippled man and said, Silver and gold have I none, but give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And when the multitude come running together, Peter said, Why do you look at us like we did this by our own power? Don't you know it's in the name of Jesus that, the, that your, your leaders rejected and you crucified? and they hung on a tree that same Jesus God has raised from the dead and it's in his name do you understand what I'm it's like Paul praying in a jail cell at midnight and God sends an earthquake and the jailer runs out and is going to kill himself Paul said don't hurt yourself we're still here what must I do well just believe on Jesus glory give God all the glory that's meekness it's meekness, hallelujah. And uh, I'll never forget one time there was a pretty boy that came from Georgia. He's a lot prettier than me, dressed a lot nicer, handsome dude. He is a preacher. And uh, on the urging of some folks, I had him scheduled to preach a couple of nights for us. I believe that's before we built this building. I'm trying to remember. We might Was we here in this building at that time? And... Uh, I was out doing something one night, and Sister Moody got a phone call. To make a long story short, there's a woman in Georgia that called and said she'd been living with this guy and had a baby by him. And the only reason she called is because she found out that every time he came into Kentucky, he had another woman he was living with. And he was coming to my church to preach. And she, she told us that, so I made some inquiries, found out it was all true. He got into town, called me that night, and I said, listen, we need to talk. He said, what have you heard about me? I said, doesn't matter. We need to talk. He said, I'm not coming to your house. I said, well, then we're going to meet somewhere. And we met the next morning. I took my assistant pastor. At that time was Brother Frank Foster with me. We met the man at a restaurant, and I confronted him about this deal that was going on. I'll never forget. Old pretty boy sat there and looked at me. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, women are attracted to me. I said, so are devils. Are you hearing me? And, and then he looked at me and said, you don't understand. He said, that van I'm driving out there. And it was a new one of the back, you know, we'd, we'd sort of laugh at now, but it was a conversion van. And you know, it was one of them nice ones all fixed up. He said, this girlfriend I've got in Kentucky said, she bought me that van. I said, really? He said, yeah. And said, she, pray, she paid for the insurance on it for a whole year for me. And he was just bragging. And I said, so you sold out for a van. Are you with me? And he said, let me tell you something, preacher. He said, I'll go farther than you've ever went. Hmm. How many knows that's pride? Can you say amen? And that's, that's not meekness. That's somebody, he had a great gift. He's a tremendous preacher. And he, he, he pulled some other shenanigans I won't go into. But uh, he, I told him that morning, I said, you're not preaching in my church. Well, he said, you mean you're going to shut the door on me? I said, no, sir. You shut the door on yourself. But he said, I've came all the way up here. I said, I brought you a check for enough money to get back home. And I said, just keep going till you get there. I said, don't try to preach around here. I mean, ain't I? No. There, there's got to be a meekness that, that marks the birth of a new spirit. 
I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care how, how you know, fluent you are, how uh, dynamic you may be. Are you hearing me? I've been to those church growth seminars and they told us how to build a big crowd. Hogwash. I don't want a big crowd. I want holy people that love God, that are following Jesus, that are anointed of the Holy Ghost, that, that humble themselves every day before God. Are you with me? So meekness is one of the steps. And uh, the Bible said in Psalms 37 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the psalmist added to that and said, shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalms 149 and 4 said, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Watch this. He will beautify the meek with salvation. I may not be as pretty as that guy, but I think I look better to God than he did. Sin is ugly. I don't care how you put it on, just flat out ugly. How many will agree with me? Let me go on. Not only is meekness the step, but also Jesus talks about, in verse 6, about a spiritual hunger. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I have a real problem. I'll confess my fault to you. I really like to eat. And uh, my weakness is most of the time what I want to eat ain't good for me. And this woman just fusses at me all the time. She'll say, you ate one of the more greasy hamburgers? And I'll say, yes, I did. Hallelujah. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. And it was so good. <laughs> She'll say, you drank one of the more Cokes and ate them French fries. <laughs> I did. But we must have spiritual hunger or desire. Now what's this? According to what Jesus said and, and what Peter taught and what Isaiah said, that spiritual hunger is significant of or signifies, now what's this, spiritual growth. How do you know that a baby is growing and thriving? They'll squall when they get hungry. They want that milk. They, they want to be fed. Can you say amen? And you know they're growing. How many of you mothers, if you had a baby or even a small child, if suddenly they didn't, weren't hungry anymore, how many of you would become real concerned? And, and there's something called failure to thrive syndrome. And so spiritual hunger is, is, is a connotation of spiritual growth. Isaiah 26 and 9 said, With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me I will seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Isaiah 55 and 1, very familiar. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money, without price. Verse 2. Why would you spend your money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which doesn't satisfy? Hearken diligently to me. Eat that which is good. Watch this. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, he said, as newborn babes desire, hunger for the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Spiritual hunger is a connotation of spiritual growth. 
I want the Word of God. How many love the Word of God? The sincere milk of the Word. Glory to God. And, and then I know there's times that you get ready for strong meat. But along that, there's this growth process. Just like natural babies, they start out on milk, and then they finally graduate to some strained foods. And, and then they, 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 they get those crackers they chew so their teeth will come in. And then after that, it's on. Can you say, man, they, they never stop. I can take you out with my grandkids and prove it. It's, oh. <laughs> spiritual hunger, it's a sign of spiritual growth. The next step is mercifulness. All oh, that the church could ascend to this step. That we could be a merciful people. Blessed are the merciful. Because when you're merciful, you'll obtain mercy. You'll, you'll get mercy. Mercy is an attribute of God. And it signifies a, a farther advance in your growth process. People who are not merciful, Paul said, are yet carnal. They're still fleshly. People who are, who are quick to blow up, fly off. Be hateful. People can't bridle their tongue. Their religion is vain. Am I preaching all right? When, when you're really motivated by mercy, people can say hard things to you and you'll restrain your response out of mercy. Isn't that good? That's mercifulness. It's, it's a step that ascends to the plateau of truth in the temple of truth. In Psalms 41, David said, Blessed is he that considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He shall be blessed upon the earth. I will not deliver him under the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing when things, in other words, he's wasting away. Thou will, thou will make all his bed in sickness. In other words, you'll deliver him from that. In other words, when you become a merciful person toward the needy, toward the poor, amen, toward those that, that are unruly and those that are ungodly, toward those that are bitter, and those that mistreat you, you want to show mercy, amen, amen, mercy and, and righteousness kiss each other and suddenly God begins to show somebody what real religion is in your life when you can show mercy. I'm going to tell you something, it ain't always easy, but it's always possible. Am I preaching all right? Amen, let me, let me go on. You see, Isaiah said it like this, he said, in Isaiah 58 and 10, if you will draw out thy soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. He'll make fat your bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Next. I told you I'm trying to hurry through these. Next, Jesus talks about Inward purity. Listen to this. Blessed are the pure in heart. Say that with me. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, James said, a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. But Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. What's this? For they shall see God. In other words, inward purity is the marking of the attainment of higher attitudes where comes the visions of God. It takes a pure heart to see God. I think it's in Psalm 27. It said, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Stand in the holy place. 
who will see the salvation of God. He that's got clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul unto vanity. What does it mean to have a pure heart? It means to have pure motives. It means to be the outgrowth of a born-again spirit and of a life that's dedicated to loving Jesus. And as you ascend these steps, hear me, that I've told you about tonight, this meekness, this hungering, these other steps. What happens is, as you fulfill those steps, suddenly there's a development of a pure heart inside you. In other words, you begin to feel like Jesus felt toward people. You begin to think like Jesus thought toward people. Is this all right? You begin to look at sin the same way Jesus looked at it. You want clean hands. You want a pure heart. You want to be holy. Can you say, You'll stand and say things like, I'm going to be holy because God is holy. Hallelujah. I'm going to be righteous because God has called me to righteousness. Glory to the Lamb of God. This is not a day for a booze-drinking, dope-smoking, fornicating church. This is a day for a church with a pure heart and clean hands. Hallelujah. Glory. Oh, let me hurry, let me hurry. You see, Timothy said, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and 5, he said, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. In other words, the, the purpose of the commandment of God is love out of a pure heart and of a good consciousness and of faith unfeigned or untainted. And then in verse number 9, look what he says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Can I tell you something? We got some people in this church that I knew before they were saved. And they loved a good fight. I mean, they didn't really start them well, maybe sometimes. But they didn't run from them either. I mean, there were some guys in this, in this, and some women in this church that would drop you in a heartbeat and then grin at you while you laid there unconscious. They loved a good fight. Are you hearing me? But since they've got saved, I've seen those same people provoked. I've seen those people provoked by their worst enemies. And they still stood there and tried to make peace with those people. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Are you hearing me? I've seen church people mad enough to kill each other. And I want to say, blessed are the peacemakers, but I was afraid they'd hit me. Sometimes people got a bad attitude. They haven't climbed the steps high enough to be a peace. You got to be up on the steps a little ways to be a peacemaker. Come on, if you got a peacemaker spirit, you ought to shout right now because you have ascended some steps to get there. Woo, hallelujah. If you still love a good fight, go back and start climbing these steps again. Am I doing all right? <laughs> hallelujah. Sometimes I preach, sometimes I teach, and sometimes I, I do what I'm doing tonight. Amen. I just have fun. Let, let me go on. Peacemaking. Peacemaking really is a Christ-like influence. Now think of that. A peacemaker is somebody who demonstrates and gives a Christ-like influence, calming the storms of life for others and for yourself. And for Yourself, Hallelujah. Uh, I did a few. I've done hundreds of funerals, but I did one funeral in particular, and 
It was a suicide. And it was a bad situation. And uh, the person that had t- taken her life was a lady, of, I'm going to say a middle-aged lady. And her parents were divorced. There was a lot of trouble in this family. And the mother really believed that the husband had killed the girl, that she didn't commit suicide. It was proven that she did. But if you can imagine being in a funeral home trying to preach a funeral in that circumstance. And during the funeral, the mother kept shooting out barbs, saying things to me. I mean, man, fire in her eyes. And, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, I even had one funeral where they had to bring the, police, the sheriff's department in before we could even preach the funeral. I've seen some bad things in funerals. And uh, you know, saying, Lord, yes. <laughs> and anyway, when we got to the graveside, it sort of come to a head, so to speak. And the mother, almost in a rage, came to me. Man, she started needing to vent her frustration. I understood. I, listen, I've never been in that place. God, I pray. I've never, but she, she needing to vent her frustration. She just tore into me before they ever got the casket out of the hearse. I just humbled myself and stood there and let her say whatever she wanted to say. And when she finally got done and caught her breath, I just laid my hand on her. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm sorry for your loss. And I'm sorry that I haven't been understanding enough. I'm sorry that I couldn't feel your pain. And I said, I've done a poor job preaching this funeral. She just sort of dropped her head. And then she looked at me and she said, no. You've done wonderful. But I didn't need to hear anybody. I just needed somebody to hear me. Wow. She grabbed my hand. And said, thank you for listening. I mean, she just ragged me out and just said, thank you for listening. And I said, I'll be praying for you. And I said, you may not understand this now, but I said, God loves you more at this moment than he ever has. And he'll help you if you'll turn to him. So a peacemaker is somebody who can ascend the steps and get to the place where that within them there is this Christ-like influence that can calm storms. Can you say amen? Proverbs 12 and 20 said, Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. To the counselors of peace. Be a counselor of peace. Be the one to put out the fire. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about the fire of, of, of difficulty and struggle and, and fighting. Be the counselor of peace. Somebody in your home has to be the peacemaker. Somebody has to be the one that shows that Christ-like influence when the battle is raging. You know, most, most battles would be over if somebody just shut up. I'll leave that there. Romans 14 and 19 said, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. That's Old and New Testament. 
Let us follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. You know, you can lift people up. I mean, they may have stinking thinking. They may have a rotten attitude. They may be wrong as the day is long. They may be foul as foul can be. But what this is saying is that you can be the one that lifts them up from where they are just by being a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker. I pulled into the funeral home one day after doing a funeral. I don't know why I'm talking about funerals tonight. But uh, I'd come back from the graveyard. It was right up here at Old Robertson Powell. It was hot that day, and I'd left my guitar at the funeral home because I didn't want to take it out in that heat. I didn't know how long we'd be at the graveside. And so I came back by to pick it up. When I got back, people was there to pick up flowers. I had no idea nothing was going on, and there was a man and a woman, some other people standing around talking, and they were kind of verbally bantering one another. And all of a sudden, this lady come across the parking lot and Johnny she drew back and she come running and she swung at a fella if she'd have hit him they'd have picked him up next week <laughs> she swung so hard that she missed and she flipped in the air and fell I'm talking about family I don't know what it was over it didn't matter and she gathered herself up and got up and, and it was about to be on and I just walked up and said, please, in honor of the dead and of this sacred place, you need to stop. And everybody just kind of humbled down. And I didn't just leave it there. I just said some things to try to pick them up. Because most of the time, the devil just uses the little things. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then finally, Jesus said this last step. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and lie on you and talk about you and kick you while you're down. And, and Anybody ever been there? You trying to live good and they trying to beat the tar out of you. Like a... Stephen being stoned to death. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. Translated, they think they're killing me. They're just giving me a one-way ticket to heaven. <laughs> Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, the final step is sacrificial suffering. It's the summit. It's the peak, the pinnacle of Christianity. Suffering for Christ and like Christ. It causes you to stand beside, Jesus says, the prophets and the martyrs. Hear what he said. Blessed are you when they shall revile you and persecute you and lie on you. And verse 12 he says, because great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In other words, if I can get to the place that I can endure persecution and suffer for the cause of Christ, I'm standing beside the likes of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Stephen and Paul 
and even Jesus himself. You see, this thing of being persecuted, been willing to suffer. I mean, no, I'm not running out here and standing right here and stick your head in the noose. No, 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 no. But I'm saying you cannot compromise this faith, this gospel, and this love of God. And in a world that Jesus clearly said, he, watch, are y'all looking at me? He said, they hate you. They will hate you because they hate me. Bottom line, Brother Moody, they treat me awful. Well, they plucked out his beard and put a crown of thorns on his head and plowed his back with furrows and spit in his face and beat him and, and nailed him to a cross just because they hated him. Why'd they hate him? I've never understood that. He healed their sick. He raised their dead. He fed their hungry. He, he turned water to wine. He supplied their parties. He did, he did everything. He showed that he was God to come to save them. And they hated him. Hated him. The world hates you. The world will hate you if you climb these steps. Well, then I ain't going to climb them. Then you'll be nothing in the kingdom of God. If you climb these steps, great, great is your reward. How many want a great reward? I don't want no cabin in the corner of glory land. I don't know who wrote that dumb song anyway. Because I don't read of any cabins in the corners in my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'll come and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, one day to stand before him and hear him say, well done. Good, faithful servant. Great is your reward. How do you get there? You climb these steps. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach on those 27 pillars of truth. So relax. We're going to be here a while. Not tonight. Not tonight. You see, 2 Timothy 2 and 12 said, if we suffer, look at somebody and say, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Um, I need to confess something to you all. Monday night, I took Sister Moody on a date. We went to a movie. We went to the movie and watched God is Not Dead. And I found out that that was based on the true accounts of young people on college campuses who have underwent severe persecution because of they were Christians by liberal, atheistic, agnostic, lunatic professors. And I watched that movie, and it was great. I mean, I got tickled. One of our dear friends, pastors, a Baptist church in the county, it was, their whole church about it was there. And they told me later, they was all watching me to see if I was going to get up and shout or preach. They, they didn't get to watch the movie, I don't guess. They was watching Moody. 
But as I watched that, I thought, at times I did want to praise God. But at other times my heart broke because I thought, how many kids have come from Christian homes, sheltered in this environment, and go to that angry environment of a college campus and get attacked by the authority. And Brother Don, I wonder how many caved in and gave up on this faith and wouldn't stand for Jesus. You can't. I want to say it. You cannot stand on that last step unless you climb the first steps. I want to say it again. You cannot climb to that last step of, of, sacrifice, of, of sacrificial suffering unless you first climb the step of humility and then repentance and then meekness and then spiritual hunger and then being merciful and having inward purity and being a peacemaker. And once you ascend those steps, then you can stand at the top, praise God, and say, hit me with your best shot because I will not give up on him. That word. And once Jesus in Matthew 5 took them up the steps, then he gave them 27 pillars of how to live a good Christian life. Wow. How many is going to go home and read the Sermon on the Mount? <laughs> Ooh, you ought to go home. You ought to read it every day this week. <laughs> Let it touch your life. It's what Jesus taught. Come on, Nick. I'm. I'm done. I've, I've preached a two-hour sermon in 45 minutes, 40 minutes, something. Praise God. Let me conclude with this. You see, we must understand that being saved has brought us to the possibility of climbing the steps to the great purposes for our lives that God has. If we don't climb those steps, we'll never reach that purpose. You see, it's God's plan for us to go to heaven. But just as importantly or more importantly, it's his will for us to reach a certain spiritual maturity and become productive members in his body, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus. We must climb those steps if we're ever going to attain Christ-likeness. I love you guys. I love these, these men right here. Your daddy was one of my dearest friends. He was one of my, your name for him, Mr. Danny Jr. Your daddy was one of my dearest friends. I knew him before. I knew him before you all were born. I knew him when him and Sister Terry, before they were married and after they were married. I, I can tell you some funny stories about Danny. I loved him. Danny was, along with a lot of other things, stubborn, bullheaded, almost unchangeable. But I saw what God did with that stubborn man and what he made him. I'll never forget when he was building this church and he, one day he hid his thumb and the blood flew. He shouted, hallelujah. Praise God, he said. And I thought, well. And about two days later, 
he whacked that same thumb again. I thought, we'll find something out now. <laughs> he threw that hammer down and jumped up and, and after he pulled his thumb out of his mouth, he said, glory to God. <laughs> takes a while to get there. Uncle Bud Robinson was preaching one night on the platform. Uncle Bud was preaching back then what they call second blessing holiness. He's an old time holiness preacher and he's out in California preaching and, and people was, he was preaching. He said, he stuttered. He said, I was preaching on skimpy dress and drinking liquor. And he said, they begin to throw things at him while he's preaching. And somebody threw a big tomato and hit Uncle Bud right in the head. And it hit him. He said, P -p 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 praise the Lord. <laughs> Another preacher was on the platform and a big one hit him and he cussed. I got back that night and he told Uncle Bud, he said, Uncle Bud, he said, man, I'm sorry. He said, that man hit me with that tomato and said, I said a cuss word. and said, I know you heard me said I feel so bad and Uncle Bud said well said brother said if you get hit and you've got a praise in you said it'll come out but said if you've got a cuss in you said it'll come out too and he said you just got a little farther to go and you'll get past that how many want to climb the steps with Jesus climb those steps seek him daily hunger and thirst be meek be a peacemaker be what Jesus you might say preacher I've been in this 40 years and I ain't got there yet but it's still not too late to climb still not too late I'm still climbing hallelujah if you see me when I'm 70 or 80 if I'm still going I'll say I'm still climbing praise God Charles Johnson Reviver said, I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain, but I'm still climbing. Can you say amen? Because I want to get up there where I can live in that temple of truth. You cannot live in this till you climb those steps. Am I preaching all right? Oh, I must be. You all are listening. Stand with me tonight. I'm quitting. And said I hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.